The memo is out after President Trump gives the green light and both the FBI and former British intel officer Christopher Steele are in the crosshairs. And could Rod Rosenstein's job be in jeopardy? This is the State of America Tonight. This House memo is based on misleading and impartial readings of the intelligence. I think that the substance of this memo absolutely implicates senior officials at the Department of Justice and the FBI. But Nunes, he has neutered the confidence that people could ever have in the House Intelligence Committee. The American public needs to see this. When it comes to this memo, the president takes very seriously the process and his constitutional duty. The release of the memo shows that people want to seem to protect the president more than they want to protect the country. I'm Kirsten Powers, live in New York. There's lots to talk about right now, so let's just dive in. That partisan Republican memo is now public after President Trump defied the FBI and the Justice Department and authorized its release. I think it's a disgrace what's going on in this country. I think it's a disgrace. The memo was sent to Congress. It was declassified. It was declassified. And let's see what happens. But a lot of people should be ashamed. The memo takes aim at the FBI's surveillance of former Trump campaign advisor Carter Page, saying in part, no surveillance warrant would have been sought from the, F- from the FISA court without the Steele dossier information. That surveillance was extended by current Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein, along with other Justice Department officials. And when asked about Rosenstein today, the president refused to say if he supports him. You, you figure that one out. Joining me now to discuss, CNN White House reporter Caitlin Collins, CNN crime and justice reporter Shimon Prokupes, and CNN national analyst Steve Hall. He's also a retired chief of Russia operations for the CIA. Um, Shimon, I want to start with you. What are we learning from this memo that's actually new information? Well, most of it really is new. It's for the first time that we learned that there were even FISAs against Carter Page that someone has actually come out and said that. We certainly have done some reporting uh, on that. Uh, but here it takes, it takes issue centrally with two things. Carter Page, who's this former campaign advisor, uh, and the Steele dossier, and how the FBI used those two elements, uh, certainly the uh, Steele dossier, to get the FISA, and that certain things that the FBI and the Department of Justice did not tell the court and when they went to seek permission uh, for these FISA, for instance, that uh, Steele was being paid uh, by political operatives, uh, other information uh, concerning how much money Steele was, was getting paid to do the dossier. All of these little facts, uh, the Devin Nunes, the committee, is saying basically uh, dirties, dirties the FBI, dirties their application for the FISA, and really discrediting some of the work that they did here, discrediting uh, Carter Page, discrediting uh, the Steele dossier. Uh, all of that is really what this memo comes down to. And in essence, you know, I think what they're trying to do here is discredit the Russia investigation and discredit uh, the deputy attorney general right now, Rod Rosenstein, who is overseeing the investigation. Okay. Caitlin, um, the White House is spinning this as a, they have to release the memo for transparency. They say the public needs to know this. But The president appeared sort of angry earlier today. So what's your take on this? Is this about transparency or is this personal? 
Yeah, that's right. Once again, the president is contradicting his own spokesman because though they have said this is only they only wanted it released for transparency, the president made pretty clear why he wanted it released earlier this week. He said he 100 percent wanted it released. And then there in the Oval Office today, he was talking about what a disgrace it was and what a shame that some people should be ashamed of themselves. And the president just departed the White House minutes ago. And right after he left, without taking questions from reporters on this memo, the press secretary, Sarah Sanders, issued a very lengthy statement statement on the release of the memo, why they released it. And I want to read for you a little bit of this this memo or this statement from the White House. And the last graph of it says, minority members of the committee have reportedly drafted a separate memorandum. The administration stands ready to work with Congress to accommodate oversight requests consistent with applicable standards, including the need to protect intelligence sources and methods. So we're hearing a little bit from the White House. It also echoes with the White House lawyer Don McGahn said in a letter to lawmakers, along with their approval of the release of that statement earlier today, Kirsten. Okay, Steve, that's interesting what Caitlin was just saying, that there's a lot of concern about protecting sources and methods. We saw the FBI issuing a statement saying they have grave uh, concerns about releasing this memo. After reading the memo, do you think they had a reason to be concerned? Well, you know, the sources and methods uh, piece of this is very important. Look, let's be clear. This is a very political act. Uh, This was much less about, you know, getting to the bottom of, you know, what happened with Russia and how they attacked our elections and who might have been involved on the American side. This is more politics because it's a very, very brief memo. Uh, I'm sure that with this particular FISA application, the application legal process that you have to go through before you can surveil people in the United States, There's probably hundreds of pages that were generated uh, in the process of validating for federal judges who have been uh, selected by both Republicans and Democrats. And all we see is this three and a half, four page document. It's very clever because when you want to try to get to the bottom of some of the questions that this memo raises, you can't because what will be invoked is sources and methods. So this is a very clever thing where you say this is a little tiny bit. This is what we're alleging. But, you know, we really can't get to the bottom of it because the only good way to do that would be to release the entire filing, the entire affidavit, which would compromise sources and methods. So it's sort of a, you know, it's a circular argument, which is very effective in this particular case for the Republican. Right. And Shimon, one of the the main accusations that are made in this memo is about Carter Page. Um, And the memo says that the FBI went after him, you know, based primarily, basically that they would not have been able to get the warrant without this dossier um, that has been very controversial. But the reality is FBI, uh, Carter Page had actually been in the you know, FBI's sites for quite some time. Yeah, certainly for, uh, you know, two years, uh, as much as two years uh, before uh, the, the their application in October for FISA's. Look, we have done our own reporting, you know, leading up uh, to the election, leading up uh, to this point now. And based on our reporting, what we have learned is that the Carter Page, when the FBI went uh, to get the FISA's uh, for Carter Page, yes, they relied in part on the dossier. But there was other information that they also relied on uh, that conveniently this memo doesn't mention. Uh, And that is the issue, I think, for the FBI is that 
this memo does not give a complete portrayal of everything they were working with. All that information is strictly classified. Uh, it's held in, like, in vaults. Uh, they're, it, they're right. This, there's a stack probably like this of documents that would support a FISA application. So that, this is the issue here, uh, that while this memo wants to portray that it was just this dossier that led to the FISA, uh, people we have talked to, sources who have worked on this case, say that's just not true. There was other information that was used. Caitlin, you're at the White House. Uh, what kind of reaction are you seeing there? I mean, obviously, this is something the president really wanted to do, and uh, this has been sort of suggested this would somehow you know, prove that there was this bias against him. What are you hearing from people at the White House? Well, the question here now is what happens now that this memo is out there in the public, because the concern was that it would really point the finger at the Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein, because he was one of the people who agree or pr- approved the extension of the surveillance of Carter Page, that former Trump campaign aide and foreign policy advisor. So that's really the question. The most important thing the president said during that pool spread today was when he was asked if he had confidence in Rosenstein or if he was considering firing Rosenstein. And he essentially told reporters, you're going to have to figure that out yourself. So the question now is, what is his fate? Does he re- will he remain at the DOJ? Will the president fire him? Because that would certainly have reverberations around uh, Capitol Hill because he is the person overseeing the entire Russia investigation. So the question is, what happens to Rosenstein and what happens to Christopher Wray, who advocated for the White House, please do not release this memo. That's someone that was handpicked by the president. So right now, those are the two key people that everyone here at the White House is keeping an eye on. Yeah. So on that, Steve, if you're Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein, how worried are you right now? <laughs> Yeah, it's got to be a really bad thing to be him right now. Um, You know, not only are you concerned about your job, uh, you're concerned about your workforce because not only DOJ, but FBI officers have been, I would argue, unfairly implicated uh, in this. I think what you're seeing out of this memo is indeed a very incomplete picture. So so that's got to bother you. I can tell you what bothers me the most is, is in my 30 year career at CIA, I served in a lot of developing countries that had just figured out how democracies are supposed to work. And this, you saw a lot of this kind of thing. When somebody new is elected, they try to purge, they try to get rid of anybody that could possibly be viewed, like Rosenstein, as, you know, as, as somebody who is against them. And that's just not the way it works in a developed, or not the way it should work in a developed democracy like ours. And that, that's quite concerning to me. All right. Thank you, everybody. It's a big day. It's a lot of moving parts. So we really appreciate you helping us sort it out. Uh, coming up, the memo just released could further threaten White House relations with the Justice Department. Our panel weighs in on the once-secret document next. The hotly contested Republican memo is finally out, pitting the president against members of the FBI and Justice Department. It alleges misconduct and bias in how a surveillance warrant for a former Trump campaign advisor was obtained. Tonight, David Catanese, senior politics writer for U.S. News and World Report, Zerlina Maxwell, director of progressive programming for SiriusXM, and a former Hillary Clinton campaign official, Ben Dominic publisher of The Federalist, and Rich Lowry, editor of The National Review. Thank you, everybody, for being here. There's obviously one thing that everybody's talking about, and that's the memo. So I want to, if we can just put up uh, what was said, I think what is the biggest thing that came out of this, which is that supposedly the, um, I can't actually see that, the 
former, uh, this is from the memo, uh, FBI Director Andrew McCabe testified before the committee in December 2017 that no surveillance warrant would have been sought from, and we're not, from the FISA, from FISA court without the Steele dossier information. So this is sort of, I think, the biggest news that's coming out of, mm-hmm. out of the memo. What do you make of it? Uh, I think it's very significant. I mean, what, what we've really learned today is, is more about confirming what we've been suspecting for quite a while as opposed to giving us a ton of new information. But this is itself new information that, uh, that Deputy Director McCabe did not believe that they would have even sought this in the first place without the existence of, of this dossier that obviously has its own uh, twists and turns in its past, but certainly is something that shouldn't be used, from my perspective, as the basis of anything. Now, what we don't know is how significant of a basis this really was. That's why I think we have to move now to the conversation about the FISA application itself and whether that should be disclosed to the American people so that they can make an assessment themselves of whether what was essentially a campaign document was used to start a process of spying on an American citizen. So one of the things I noticed in the memo, Rich, is that they talk a lot about this being a campaign document that was funded by Hillary Clinton. But of course, that's not exactly the whole story, right? Because it originally was funded by a conservative website, the Washington Free Beacon. So why did they leave that out of the memo? Yeah, so as I understand it, the Free Beacon engaged with this firm when the Republican primaries were ongoing. And then when Trump, uh, for all intents and purposes, locked up the nomination, dropped it, and Steele was not engaged by this firm until the Democrats were funding it. So it's not really true the Free Beacon was funding Christopher Steele. So if it's true what's said in the memo, and we need to hear from Schiff, we need to hear from the FBI, that the, the partisan nature or provenance of this document was not revealed to the court, that would be materially significant. And I think everyone in the story needs to put themselves imaginatively in the seats of the other party. And if a President Hillary Clinton were under an investigation that might have begun, in part because of Republican opposition research, every Democrat would have their hair on fire in Washington right well, now. Well, th- th- that may be true, but that doesn't necessarily make having your hair on fire the right thing to do, right? I, I mean, I think that you could, you know... That, 2018, everyone has their <laughs> hair on fire, okay? That's what we do here. Yeah, I think that... But the, but the point is is that there are other people who say that, the, that Christopher Steele is very respected. Right. He's exactly the person you would go to to right. do something like this, that he wasn't told who was funding it. Uh, and um, But in the memo, they also do say, and I don't know if we can bring this up, that he was essentially a very anti-Trump person, that he mm-hmm. had this animus. He had said this to, the I think, the deputy attorney general... That he really, you know, didn't want to see Trump elected. To, to Rich's point, if we put the shoe on the other foot, that would be upsetting. Democrats. Sure, but think about the context with which he is per, uh, allegedly making that claim. He's somebody who went to Europe, interviewed a whole bunch of sources, Russian sources, and uh, has alleged that President Trump has connections to Russia that are problematic. So. Do you think with those facts known, if you found that out, would you be super enthusiastic about that person becoming the president? I don't know. Just saying that um, Mm -hmm. in terms of common sense. Um, But I also think that one of the things, facts in this memo that's right at the end, on the last page, is the fact that in July of 2016, the investigation was actually triggered initially by George Papadopoulos and what he told the Australians at a bar. Mm -hmm. And so I think that by October, now we're on the third renewal, each every 90 days you have to have new information that you Mm -hmm. present to the court, that then the judge looks at and approves a new FISA warrant. And so what is that new information? What was happening between July and October 
each time they renewed it every 90 days. Right. So one of the things is we don't know the answers to a lot of these questions because it's classified information. We have the Democrats can't really respond because they won't. They won't release, their memo. Well, release their memo. They're starting to respond okay. a little bit. I, I've already seen a statement from Mark Warner, yeah. the Senate Intel uh, uh, vice chair or, or, or ranking member, I should say. Um, and he's saying that the underlying premise is wrong, that, right. that, that, this, that this is not true. And I think what we're eventually going to lead to is a call to release the transcripts of McCabe, mm-hmm. because that's the big difference here. Is, was it wholly yeah. based on right. a politically funded memo yeah. or was it partially derived from? And I'm seeing the different. I mean, you're seeing people are splicing words here. Republicans are saying, no, McCabe said this under oath, that he told us that it was wholly based on this politically derived but memo, I, yeah. and Warner's disputing that. And that's why I think the next step to prove it, we're going to have to see transcripts from McCabe. Well, so, Ben, when I read it, I actually don't see him saying it's wholly based. I yeah. see him saying it was the, the linchpin, basically. Yes. So we're assuming there was a bunch of un- other information. Maybe the FISA court was like, yeah, this is compelling, mm-hmm. but the, the memo is sort of, I mean, the dossier is sort of what put them over the edge. Yes. Is that a problem, if that's well, true? I, I think it is a problem, but I think we should step back and just sort of assess this. FISA goes back a long time, and I and a lot of other people have been concerned about the misuse of this court process. We are assured that the justices, who, that the judges who make these decisions are very thorough and responsible, that they're not just a rubber stamp, despite the high levels of approvals mm-hmm. uh, for these types of surveillances. What I think of this as is, is a basic governmental question that we need to answer about the behavior of the FBI and the DOJ. This is not about uh, sort of, from my perspective, you know, raising these entities to the ground or undermining agents who are out in the field or anything of that nature. It's a, it's a question more uh, that I would view in the same way as finding a corrupt cop within a police force. Does that mean that you suspect every cop of being corrupt? No, but you do want to find people who may have manipulated this situation for their own political aims or based on their own assumptions about what was going on. And I think that that's something that the American people, frankly, deserve to know. And that's why we need to release the application and the other memo right. and everything involved. Yeah, to David's point, the seal's now been broken on releasing information about this, this aspect of the 2016 story. And now, inevitably, you're just going to have to get the transcripts. You're probably going to have to get some version of the application itself properly redacted or summarized. And I think that's a good thing. I think today we know a little bit more than we did yesterday, and next week we'll know more than we know today. Can I just ask, though? So, can you wait and tell me sure. the next one? <laughs> <laughs> Everyone stand by. There's still so much more to discuss. Up next, Republicans and Democrats say the memo mean different things. But will anybody face consequences? Stay right there. Welcome back. Now that the memo is out, Washington is bracing for the fallout. Republicans say the moves for transparency. Democrats say the memo is a blatant political act. So what is the political cost of all this? The panel joins me again. So, Elena, you know, can this relationship be saved, I guess, is basically the question. This used intelligence committee used to, a little while ago, get along. Right. They don't anymore. I think that's going to be a long-term question. I think it's probably going to take... Um, probably five to ten years for the relationship to be repaired because I think this is ultimately one of the most damaging things to happen um, because this relationship is based on trust. And I think that this is clearly a partisan exercise. There's not a question about whether it's a partisan exercise. Otherwise, they wouldn't release excerpts early to Fox News and Mm -hmm. uh, right-wing websites. If they they cared solely about the content of this memo, 
being um, something the American people needed to see because of transparency, like Paul Ryan argued, they would have released it to CNN and MSNBC and all Fox News all at the same time. They did not do that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a significant fact. Well, and another thing they've been saying is that this is just oversight and they're just doing their oversight and they're doing this investigation. Of course, um, they haven't had any hearings. They didn't allow the DOJ to respond to this. The president apparently just learned about this about I don't know, two weeks ago? Right. I mean, so this idea that this was this long-running investigation, it's not how things normally work. And they're not letting the Democrats, you know, put out their own memo, or if they do, it's probably going to be after the news cycle and all this has happened. So how unusual is this? I mean, this is very unusual, I think partly because of the timing, and I think the Democratic memo, you're going to see the shift memo start trending on Twitter, I think, soon. That will be the next big reveal um, but look, I think just politically, it, it's looking like a wash. I mean, people are going to their trenches on this, uh, very partisan, and I think that's the fear. And in just in listening to a comment by Bob Baer, former CIA official, before coming on, he said if he picked up uh, some intelligence today in Russia that was either pro or con about the President Trump, he wouldn't report it. Now, that is really a scary... I mean, he's a former CIA agent, and if that's true, and if there's people in the field that now believe that they could be politicized by doing their job, mm. that's a bigger concern, I think, that all parties need to be really careful it's about. It's dangerous even outside of the context of Russia. Right, mm-hmm. exactly. I mean, Rich, are you concerned about that? Are you concerned about the damage that's been done to the FBI's reputation, for example? Well, I, don't, I, th- I think it's overdone that the committee Republicans or President Trump are attacking the entire FBI. They're attacking about four or five people mm-hmm. and they're not saying the oh don't, lead the don't. FBI. yeah the well the top officials who are involved in this investigation but they're not saying like stop busting criminals on the streets or going after criminal gangs so i think that's really overdone and part of the context here is committee republicans for months and months and months had to uh, do everything they could to drag this information out of the fbi so i think we have to uh, be cognizant of the fact that any bureaucracy has a self-protective instinct and that they say that these five paragraphs being released to the public were going to totally damage or blow yeah. up our intelligence operations for 40 years, I think is exposed as Yeah, I think, I think that's an important but The White point. House doesn't have that but, same Yeah, I th- but I think, I think this is an important point, Ben, that, you know, I, I have sort of seen people portraying this as, like, the only political people in Washington are the Republican Party, and then everybody else is, is just, like, these truth-tellers. And, of <laughs> course, everybody in Washington is political. Right. Of course, yeah. I mean, this is, a, this is a partisan battle. It should be viewed at, within that lens. But I have to suggest that the FBI and the intelligence community that we've had in America generally has done an excellent job of running down their own reputation, even prior to the arrival of President Trump, whether it's their failures in regards to uh, preventing the involvement of, of Russia in our election, whether it goes back to uh, every decision that they made bad that led to these past two wars, every decision that they've made over the course of the past decade and a half. How can you have a lot of confidence in our intelligence community or in our law enforcement community where I still believe that James Comey made virtually every decision wrong during the course of that investigation, both in his public and in his uh, private approach to it. I think that you look at that and you have to say, look, the president is, in, is, is certainly going after you now, but in a, certain, in a certain way, you made your own bed here over the course of a multiple decisions and multiple bad choices that, frankly, have allowed the American people to now view you through that partisan. Well, and Zerlina, wasn't that long ago that de- Democrats were really upset mm-hmm. with the FBI, right? I mean... Mm-hmm. But I think, do you think the it's Democrats fair what he's saying? acknowledge that while I agree with you that James Comey made many mistakes, um, impugning his integrity in the way that Republicans had um, is not something that Hillary Clinton folks were doing. We were saying we disagreed with his decision to release the letter 10 days before the election. And I would actually argue that this is not a partisan exercise. Certainly hmm. the memo is. 
absolutely that. The conversation with the, the, the dueling memos is a partisan exercise. But this entire investigation is not. Russia attacked our election. That is something that everybody should care about, regardless of whether or not you're a Republican or a Democrat. And I would also say that we need to get to the bottom of it so that they don't do it in 2018 and 2020 and beyond. And if as long as we stay stuck in this dueling okay. memo so, conversation, I mean, I would, I would we are missing you. the entire point. I would agree with you entirely on the need to get to the bottom of the Russian meddling and figure out ways to stop it. But there is a huge element of the Democratic Party that is invested in this investigation because they believe it's somehow going to leverage Donald Trump out of office before he has a chance to run for sure, re-election. Sure, some Democrats who oh, believe that. that but I, I don't the think ma- that... The but massive I don't... Democratic voters are panting over some impeachable offense. They want that to happen. I don't think this, that that's the, how this ends. This I think is, that this is going to end think, with a serious investigation and a Mueller report that we're going to have to consider as serious people instead of partisans. Okay. Really fast. I would just say the Mueller investigation goes on no matter what. It's separate from this. And, and Trump's fate is still tied to him, not to Devin Nunes or Adam Schiff. All right, that's the last word. This is day 379 of President Trump's administration. That's the State of America tonight. Check out our podcast, subscribe at Apple Podcasts or your favorite app, and we will see you back here next week. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.